You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the US, and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today is a great day. I have the honor of having uh, Jackie Kiefer with me today. Hey, Jackie. Hi. Jackie is one of the accounting managers uh, at my accounting firm, Green Oak Accounting. And today we are talking about bum, 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 compensation minefields. Uh, that's a pretty dramatic title, right? Right, Jackie? It is. It's a pretty dramatic subject as well. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. So let's get started. I mean, what are some of the compensation questions that turn into minefields that you, you've seen come up in the last six to 12 months? Yeah, there's been a lot of issues getting people in the door that are licensed. Um, there's a lot of people that are coming in or pre-licensed that are just looking for way too much of a split right up front. Um, it's no wanting to know what level of bonus they can give their clinicians, what, you know, how many clinicians they can have and still be profitable, things like that. Um, but the biggest one I think is what do I hire my this new person at to where I'm not going to be losing money across the board. Yeah, and it's an interesting time right now because we're recording this uh, in August 2022. For the last at least one to two years, it has truly been an employee's market. Uh, we've seen rates go up pretty dramatically um, in just a short amount of time, which is kind of unusual just because there's so much demand for clinicians and there's just not enough, enough people. Uh, but we've also seen some pretty, um, pretty crazy compensation packages <laughs> come through the door. Uh, so tell us a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So the thing about that we always recommend is if you're pre-licensed, people are coming in, they should be about 40 to 45% um, split per session. Anybody that is licensed should be about 50 to 55%. And that kind of translates over into flat fee too. keep them around that percentage of the session rate that you get reimbursed, whether that's insurance or private pay. Those are the areas that we notice the most are the most sustainable, just because that leaves room for growth, which is if you want to add benefits, if you want to give them a raise, if you want to implement a bonus structure or any kind of thing like that, you need to leave room for that. Um, plus the fact that if you are paying them 60, 70, 80%, you're not leaving your practice any room for growth and sustainability either. Um, we recognize that some of those larger, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, big box um, mental health practices can offer them 70%, 70, 80%, but they're also requiring them to see about 40 sessions a week as well. So it's kind of a trade-off to whether they want to work for somebody like that, or they want to work for you who has a better, you know, PTO, work-life balance, things like that. And you may pay it just a little bit less um, you know, right around the 55% mark, you start getting into 60 if you want to do, you know, clinical director, but that starts getting into people they're supervising can supplement their income. So it's, that's helpful. Um, but we recommend usually people not hiring a licensed clinician over 55%. 
Yeah, and that 55%, that's for a, a, an employee or W-2 model, but that's mm -hmm. the base wage, right? So on top of that, we're adding payroll tax, we're adding benefits. So that really does creep up pretty quickly, whereas even a 55% split is typically costing a practice a little bit over 60% once we add uh, payroll tax and benefits in. Mm -hmm. And a good thing that we've been suggesting is to present it like a compensation package. Not only do you get 50%, 55, whatever you choose, but you do you have benefits, you have PTO, like we pay, you know, a portion of your payroll taxes, if you're not responsible for that, um, just present it to say, hey, this is all we're offering you that, you know, we care more about just, you know, your session counts and things like that, which are still important, but you want to give them the idea that everything that you do in your practice is working to support them and sustain them as well, um, not only the practice. Yeah, and I think one of the the really important things to keep sight of, especially when the market is changing so quickly as far as being able to hire people, is that the role of the business owner, the practice owner, is to make sure that the business is sustainable and that the business will survive. Because if you're making decisions just in favor of, well, well, we we just need to get more people in the door. If that is at the detriment of the practice, that serves no one. It doesn't serve your clinicians. If the practice is suffering uh, and doesn't have enough cash flow, it doesn't serve the clients. Um, your, your job as a practice owner is really to make sure that the practice will survive um, and is in a cash, cash flow position to do that. Um, so it's actually the, le the least selfish thing you can do is to, to, to set up a, a compensation model that is um, sustainable and makes sense for the business. Mm -hmm. um, now you mentioned leadership and I want to, I want to kind of circle back there. So you mentioned when we see a supervisor, a clinical director, we mo more often see a, a higher split, right? Some, somewhere mm -hmm. maybe around the 60%. And you said that's offset by the people they supervise. So let's unpack that a little bit. Like explain that uh, to our listeners. Yeah, so if you have any interns or pre-licensed people that still need supervision, have that clinical director do it. So anytime that person brings anybody in, part of that split will offset your clinical director's salary. So it's okay to kind of break even on that clinical director, or you might be even losing a little bit of money across the practice with them, but the weight they're taking off of your shoulders and doing that is pretty invaluable. And so you don't get a clinical director usually until, you know, you have the staff that will support it and the staff, you know, because their salaries are rather large. And by that point, you're willing to just step back from the practice a little bit and have them run things for you. So you absolutely want to have a model for people coming in to where you're paying them, you know, the 40, 45% for somebody that's pre-licensed majority of that income is going to supplement your clinical director as well. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And we we most often see leadership added right around that million dollar mark, right? Sometimes it's a little bit before around 800,000 per year, but usually by a million dollars a year in annual revenue, we're typically seeing that leadership um, being added. Um, and I just want to mention before we move on, on the uh, website, therapyforyourmoney.com, we do have in the tools and templates section, we do have some, a budget and forecast. It's a Google sheet that you can download and that shows you actually what we recommend for various expenses in the business. So that's just a nice little tool that you can have. It's completely free um, from therapyforyourmoney.com. All right, let's move on. Um, I wanna ask about your favorite uh, compensation model. 
Yeah, um, I am a big fan of the percentage, um, especially with somebody that wants to do kind of work a bonus structure in for their clinicians, because it's kind of a motivator as well. So the more money that they can bring in percentage wise, so if, if they're at 50%, if they're seeing more and more clients, they're going to get a little, you know, gradual bump in pay anyway. And so it's a good model to say, all right, you know, you're not seeing this many, but look how much extra you could be making if you see this many just based on your percentage of sessions. And so it's a good motivator. It's a good way to kind of say, all right, look, we want to do a bonus. This is kind of the place to start. You got to get your thing, your session counts up. Um, and you're going to get a you're going to get a raise essentially by seeing as many people as we need you to see. So that's why I like percentage. Um, flat fee is also good if you're trying to control your costs a little bit more to not have that bonus. Um, but it's just one of those things where your flat fee, that's what they're getting paid. And if you need to kind of rein in your spending and your costs a little bit for payroll, that's a good way to start doing that. And then you can always transition to a percentage later on. Percentage. I kind of one of the reasons I like flat fee is that um, with a percentage model, if you get a, a rate increase from insurance, automatically your clinician gets a raise, right? But they don't necessarily consider that to be a raise. They still want a higher percentage. So that's one mm -hmm. of the, the the limitations I think of the mm -hmm. straight commission, where I think it, it works really well from a timing perspective and a cash flow perspective, but. Uh, when someone comes to you with a raise, the only way they they truly think they feel like they got a raise is by increasing that percentage, which can which can get really expensive over the mm -hmm. years. So so for that, I like the flat fee because then you can be a little more intentional mm -hmm. with the raise uh, when you do get a fee increase. But um, the, I I would say those are the most popular compensation mm -hmm. models we see still. Would you agree? I do. Yep. Yeah. And Absolutely. other than that, just in case any, anyone is worrying wondering. Other than that, just in case anyone is wondering, we also see um, hourly, mm -hmm. salaried, and a hybrid between um, a base salary and a commission. Those are kind of the, the five most common uh, compensation models. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of commission, what's the highest split that you've ever seen come through? I think it was 75%. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot. I, I, I've seen lot. the highest I've seen is around like 85 or 90 mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, I, I lied. We, we saw hundred percent split somewhat recently. Oh. So I guess hundred percent is not a split. It's just hundred percent. Um, yeah. It's just hundred percent. You're just giving it all away. <laughs> but those, I mean, that kind of compensation model on a, on a leadership position that might work, but for a clinician mm -hmm. who is supposed to be a, a revenue generating person in the, in the practice, that just doesn't work. There's no room for profit. There's no room for overhead. Like once you're, you're adding in payroll tax and benefits, there really is no room for anything. So that person, mm -hmm. you might as well just be handing them $5 <laughs> every time they see a client, because that's essentially what's happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, you, it's, it's good to keep in mind that that person, you don't can't, you can't look at them in a vacuum. You have to look at them in the, in the vision of your entire practice and all of the expenses that go into it, whether you're paying for their advertising, whether you're, you know, all of the office expenses that you're paying for, all of that stuff adds up so that if your percentage of pay, percentage of pay is extremely high too, you're going to be consistently at a net loss and that's not sustainable for your practice. And that's one of the things we look at when we do our reviews and our analysis every quarter, what is the best thing to do to keep 
this practice sustainable and running. And sometimes that's, you know, reworking the whole entire pay structure, but that's something that, you know, it's the biggest cost for every practice. So reworking that is going to make the biggest difference, which is difficult if you have a bunch of very seasoned people and you want to try to keep them happy too. Um, But it's, there's a conversation to be had in all of this to where, Hey, you know, this is what we need to do. And some hard decisions need to be made, but it's something that will help in the long run if your pay structure is just out of, out of hand. Yeah. And we often see uh, the pay structure start off too high, especially with the first hire, right? Because what often happens is solo clinician gets really, really busy, has a wait list, decides, you know what, let me just hire someone to, to help me out. So they post an ad and they decide to hire and they look at the numbers and say, okay, well, adding this one person really isn't going to increase costs because I don't need more space. If there even is an office, um, I'll still keep doing all the intake calls as the owner. I'll do the billing, right? Like every, nothing mm-hmm. ch- significant changes for that very first hire. So if the owner, uh, now a group practice owner is offering the very highest amount that they possibly can, that might work for employee number one. It doesn't mm-hmm. em- work for employee three, four, five, six, seven, right? Because at that point, you need more space. You need mm-hmm. admin. You need help with billing. You need infrastructure and support, uh, for that practice, you need probably more software just to manage a team. And like the, the numbers just don't work anymore. So what worked for employee number one doesn't work anymore. And so we often see when, when that decision has been made, there's this feeling of like, well, I can't offer someone else something different because that wouldn't be fair. And like, there's this, this cycle of the owners working really hard or getting loans or like getting money from wherever they possibly can just to keep the business going. And it's not sustainable, unfortunately. Right. Okay, so you've talked about kind of where we where we need to be for things to be sustainable. One of the questions we've gotten a lot over the last year is setting up payroll, compensation structures, and bonuses too. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, if you get more, the more the whole pay structure that you put in place, the better. Um, it's always always better if it's just very straightforward. It's less frustrating for you as the owner to run payroll. Um, We were just discussing one to two hours at most to run payroll. If you're running in any more than that, it's going to be frustrating for you and the clinicians um, just because there's so much involved with it. Um, Also, if you have a very complicated bonus plan, it's it's going to be very hard to track. It's going to take a lot of admin time to keep track of the parameters around that bonus structure. It's absolutely fine to have one. The more simple, the better though. It cuts down on admin time. It cuts down on frustration time that you're spending in the practice trying to run payroll and do everything. If they're trying to keep track of a lot of different things that are moving pieces in their daily life too, it's less frustrating for them. Um, And you can see where your money is going a lot easier. If you just have, you know, A, B, C, and that's it. And then this is this X, Y, Z is your bonus structure. It's clear cut. Everybody can understand it very simply, like the expectations that they'll have to be able to meet those bonuses. Everything that they do is laid out very clear. The expectations are clear. Communication is clear. And it just makes for a much easier uh, experience for everybody and a much better 
I think more sustainable if you have a clear cut plan put in the beginning. Um, and you know, if you have to change that plan at some point because it's not working anymore, that's absolutely doable. Um, sometimes that has to happen and has to be modified uh, for current and existing people uh, or current um, clinicians. But if you make sure that you try to, you know, let them know, have that communication to say, you know, we're going to have to change this a little bit to make it more simple. It's easy for them to kind of tell like, okay, this is where I was paid before. This is where I'm paid now. There really isn't a change. Uh, I'm okay with this. <laughs> it's when they don't yeah. see, yeah, it's when they can't, if, when they know that there's a change happening, but then they think they're going to be paid way less and that creates problems. But um, it's, you know, spreading out your cash flow with bonuses and things like that is always really helpful too, instead of paying, you know, every checkout with a bonus of some sort. It's good to spread it quarterly, annually, something like that. So you're not always having to come up with that additional cash each pay period. You can plan for those times a little bit better if you know in advance what you're looking to pay out um, in a bonus as well. And bonus structures should really be encouraging a specific behavior that is wanted, right? It, it, it shouldn't be just for doing the basics of your job, uh, but the, the bonus structure can be a useful tool in increasing productivity beyond a certain point, uh, but it should be clear too. One, one thing I've, I've come to realize is employees really value clarity over how they get paid. So where we see frustration on both the, the employee and the, the practice owner's side, uh, that like there's mutual frustration is when the system is so complex that no, that, that the employee doesn't feel like they really understand how they're getting paid. And they always, when that happens, when they don't understand, regardless of how that bonus is getting paid out, they feel like they're not getting the full like what's what's owed to them and then the mm -hmm. business owner sometimes feels resentful because it's so time consuming so convoluted and and that they're not necessarily getting the increased productivity that they were expecting Be again because like there's just this lack of understanding uh so truly the simpler is is the simpler is better in this mm -hmm. case Jackie we're, we've been starting to see a change kind of in the market again it's August 2022 as we record this like there's a lot of there's been a lot of talk of a recession of the economy slowing down significant inflation we're kind of facing because of inflation employees wanting uh asking for more money because life is just more expensive but at the same time hiring markets seem to be starting to cool down that's ex as of right now that's kind of what we're seeing for the rest of 2022 where it may not be quite as much as a, a of an employees market as it has been uh do you have any recommendations there? Um, yeah, it's don't shut the pipeline down altogether. <laughs> Make sure you kind of keep that ad open on Indeed or wherever you have it. You know, you can kind of cut the costs with sponsored sponsorships and all of that and on those sites, but keep it open. If you have people apply, take a look at them and see where they're at. I know a lot of it is, you know, kind of a knee-jerk reaction right now to just kind of stop everything and not hire anybody or, you know, stop the growth or stop everything altogether, advertising, hiring, all of it. Um, our recommendation would be to not do that. Just keep it open. Don't shut it down. No, you know, you can slow it down a little bit, but don't just stop, stop it altogether. It's always way more difficult to get everything fired back up again once you stop. And sometimes decisions need to be made that are, you know, kind of quick. And so if you have that pipeline open, you have the ability to kind of reach into that resource and, you know, 
figure out what you need to do next, but absolutely um, do that. And if you're, if you're at a loss for, you know, trying to get people in the door that have, you know, are asking for a ridiculous amount of money, get creative with some benefit offerings you have too. You can off, always offer PTO, um, the availability to see sliding scale client or, you know, sliding scale patients as well. You have tuition reimbursement you can offer. Not everything is just, you know, percentage flat fee, whatever related. Um, so take some time while you're kind of putting things on like a little bit of a slowdown. If you're, you know, wanting to slow over the summer and kind of into the fall here, kind of take some time to think about what you could offer or what your practice could offer to sort of be a little more enticing to other people coming in if you want to really get somebody in your practice. Perfect. That's a great recommendation. Jackie, thank you so much for your time. Um, and so any, if anyone is interested in working with Green Oak Accounting, uh, one of the things that is unique about uh, our firm is that we have, for each client, we have both an accounting manager and an accounting specialist. So the specialist is going to do all of the day-to-day -day work um, in the accounts. So they're going to be very intimately familiar with all the numbers. And then the accounting manager comes in or is kind of, at kind of a, a high level. Or how would you explain it, Jackie? I am, let's see, so I am an accounting manager at Green Oak, so I am basically the support for the account specialist, um, not only on my team, but in all of the teams, you know, when anybody is out, so I kind of take care of all of the upper level questions, I guess you could say, a lot of the analysis, a lot of the clinician cost breakdown, all of that thing, if you need any customizations with stuff for your particular practice that is different from others, um, I know we have some testing um, clients as well, where we kind of have to redo a lot of bits and pieces to make sense for their practice, which we, which I, you know, I do that all the time. Um, but I just kind of, I counsel my clients as much as I think they counsel other people as far as kind of a, you know, sort of a coach in on their side that, you know, wants them to succeed. And I may not always have the best things to say just because it's not, you know, maybe the most popular thing that, oh yeah, go spend money, go hire people at 80%. I say some things that are hard to hear, um, but my intention is to keep your practice sustainable and, and going well and keep a good practice healthy and sustainable. So that, that's what I help my clients do. <laughs> I think that's one of the, the, the things that we hear often, the feedback that we get from your clients is, Jackie tells me like it is. She, I might not always want to hear it, but she tells me what I need to hear. And so that's always really helpful. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Jackie. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> if you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice. 